It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine, back together after we had to split the mailbag last week. James, how was your weekend? Did you Are you doing okay after you had to do that mailbag stuff without me? I went into Jake withdrawal. I mean, it was crazy. It was, it, it was tough. We made it through the mailbag because of our, our listeners got me through, but... Uh, uh, yeah, as far as uh, not having you around, that was tough. How was that final segment, by the way? Well, I was listening to the the questions you answered, and I got to the last one. And it was that hash browns question, and I just lost it. There were a couple questions that were actually really funny. I don't know if you were looking <laughs> at some of the questions we got, but people are changing their Twitter handles, like at Jake Goat NFL or whatever it is. His his Twitter name is now James Rapine Fan Club. Oh, really? I did not see that. No. Wow. Shout out to that guy. It's just it's just funny what people are doing. The, the uh, Joel, who who's listened to our podcast forever and sends in questions all the time, changed his name to Jake's Bentley Mechanic. Look at that. Well, you do have a Bentley, though. See, I like it. And I it, like it that was, Joel's willing to help you out with your Bentley driving ass. It was, it was really funny. So I, I had fun, but it, it was a little different not having the back and forth for sure. But we're back. We got the back and forth today. Just so everybody knows, we will have some, some split episodes this week just due to some scheduling stuff that's come up. You'll hear James in a solo episode on Thursday. That'll be going up Wednesday night. You'll hear me in a solo episode for Wednesday. That's going up Tuesday night. So we'll be back together on Thursday night to record for Friday's episode for the mailbag. So we will not be apart for this week's mailbag, James. At least we can look forward to that. I can't wait for more food questions. Work on them because syrup and hash browns don't go together. But maybe uh, one of your your concoctions. We have many, many listeners that uh, probably have some different food ideas. So so throw those at us. I'm, I'm OK with doing a little food food mailbag here, mixing in with some Bengals questions. Yeah, I like the food questions. The food questions are fun. I've, I've got one food question for you, James, because for me, when I go out for breakfast or when I went out for breakfast in the days that I went out for breakfast, I would have a really hard time picking between sweet and savory. And a lot of times I'd end up picking both. You ever do that? Like you go out to a breakfast place, you're like, man, I really want some eggs and bacon, but also that French toast sounds good. And so I'll just order two things. That's exactly right. Is, is eggs, bacon, French toast. That sounds amazing. Or are you followed up with like a cinnamon roll? 
if yeah. it's a place that you know that's going to bring out a really good cinnamon roll for dessert right so yeah and that you watch it down with a mimosa or two man i'm gonna have to go to brunch before we uh or, or after we we finish recording now that we're talking about it yeah we're recording at sunday brunch time for everybody listening we're recording before the super bowl so we can enjoy the super bowl so you can enjoy the super bowl but of course, we do have some Bengals things to talk about as well. We have caught up long enough, James, I think, spending about three minutes of time talking about <laughs> food in the mailbag last week. We've got some stuff to talk about for the Bengals here on this Monday episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Carson Palmer seems to come up, James, a lot on Super Bowl weeks the last two years, and he loves to talk about Joe Burrow, or maybe he's just asked about Joe Burrow as a former Bengals quarterback. He was on the Pat McAfee show and had some things to say about Joe's rookie season. We'll talk about his comments just a little bit here to start the show. Then we're going to get into the new report from Adam Schefter on Sunday around noon when he told us what the NFL was expecting the salary cap to look like in 2021 we'll wrap up with some comments around kyle pitts who all those guys on the bengals booth podcast james dan horde dave lapham jeff hobson all seem to think that he is not even in consideration for the bengals so we'll talk a little bit about kyle pitts where they're coming from where i think they're coming from anyway and why he might actually make sense for the bengals and and why you could see it going either way but let's get started with the carson palmer comments james honestly I'm a guy that people that have been listening to the show for a long time knows. I'm, I'm generally a Carson Palmer apologist. I'd, I'm not mad at him for leaving the team the way he did for demanding a trade. I see it as something that was a fair thing that he did, much the way I see what Deshaun Watson is doing is fair, Carson Wentz is doing is fair. I, I, I generally am a guy that takes a player's side in a player-team power struggle, but... I am a little bit sick of hearing Carson Palmer talk about Joe Burrow and the Bengals, even if he's not saying necessarily bad things. I just, why does Carson Palmer know anything more about Joe Burrow than anyone else? Besides the knee thing, I get that they both had a knee, ACLs, surgery and recovery. They have that in common a hundred percent. But like, do you believe that Carson's watching and breaking down game film of his old team and Joe Burrow. I feel like he's just like a guy that's watched Joe Burrow play a few football games. Maybe, you know, maybe that is the case. Uh, I certainly think he's, he's watched Burrow, but yeah, is he going, uh, you know, all 22 style and watching each throw and, and breaking it down and all of that. I would lean no, because I think Carson, as much as he loved football, he's, He's loving being retired now, right? And he's probably catching games on Sunday ticket and watching in that aspect from a fan point of view. But I don't think he necessarily misses the grind, right? I mean, he's two years younger than Tom Brady, right? And we're, uh, we, depending on when you listen to this, you either watched him play in the Super Bowl or you're going to watch him play in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it's, um, it, it's, one of those things where they're always going to be tied together because they were both number one picks. They're both wearing number nine. Now they've both had knee injuries. They both have the pressure of a franchise on their shoulders. That's not something Andy Dalton had because he didn't enter with the pressure that Palmer did and certainly didn't enter with the pressure that Joe Burrow did. So I think that those guys are just they're going to to be tied together. And then the other factor here is um, obviously Jordan Palmer works 
with Joe Burrow in the offseason and, and is his throwing coach. So buckle up, Jake, because I think this is just the first of many years where you're hearing Carson Palmer give his thoughts on Joe Burrow, good, bad, or indifferent. And I, I did think that the the one thing he pointed out um, about Joe that, that is, is overlooked, especially with Justin Herbert winning Rookie of the Year, Joe Burrow hit a lot of flaws, man. And, and, and I do think that that part was accurate. And I think it is good to have someone nationally say that because I, I think some, some people might forget it now that, that he's, uh, you know, missed six games and is, uh, on the shelf and that, that about how well he did play for all, but really two games during his rookie season. Yeah. It's not that I think Carson Palmer is wrong in anything that he said on the Pat McAfee show. I just, I just I'm not convinced that, you know, he's digging deep and watching watching the tape and and really breaking it down. You know, the way JP O'Sullivan is doing with his quarterback school videos where he's really really digging in, you know. I think Carson Palmer, like you said, he's a guy he's watching Sunday Ticket, he's watching, you know, NFL Red Zone. Maybe he's watched a couple extra Bengals games. Maybe he watched a, a little bit of Joe Burrow before Chad Johnson went and visited him at that cabin. And they got on the phone with Joe and congratulated him on his win. Maybe maybe they watched that game in a little bit more detail, right? And Carson, as a former NFL quarterback, he obviously knows the game better than many. So I'm not dismissing what he says. And when he says that, you know, Joe Burrow did it with personnel that was worse than they had on the other side and he had them close anyway. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just... At this point, after last offseason, he's stoking all these rumors about, you know, does he want to play for the Bengals? And it's not just Carson doing that. But if Carson wants to talk about Joe Burrow, happy to hear it. But, like, let's break down some film, right? Like, let's put him in that O'Sullivan setting and get him with some actual tape to break down. That would be fun. I would enjoy that a lot. But instead, it's just... You know, people see Carson's a quarterback that played for the Bengals and they just ask him, hey, how about that new Bengals quarterback? Because the, the question that McAfee actually asked was, are the Bengals going to get it right with Joe Burrow? And Carson did a pretty good job of sidestepping that question, I thought. But that is enough, James, talking about Carson Palmer. So let's transition. Adam Schefter reporting on Sunday that the salary cap figure is getting closer to being finalized. NFL teams are expecting that to be somewhere around $180 million. How is that going to impact teams off seasons and the Bengals in specific? We'll get into that coming up next. Before we get there, James, we've been extolling the value of a consistent online betting site. And that is what betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over. If you're listening to this after the Super Bowl. But the NBA, college basketball, NHL, they're in full swing. BetOnline even covers award shows for TV shows, reality TV. If you can imagine it, they've got it. And I'm fascinated personally by this report before the Super Bowl happened that there were three seven-figure bets that came in, all of them on the Tampa Bay Bucks. So really interested to see how those play out. And maybe you're not a seven-digit sports better but if you just want to get in and have some fun you can head on over to betonline.ag on your mobile device sign up today and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on when you create your account bet online your online sportsbook experts 
This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, James, let's talk money and let's talk salary cap money has been a lot of discussion. We did it in the offseason simulation last week about the Bengals cap figure. They, no matter what, will be one of the more flexible teams this offseason in the NFL. They'll have among the most cap space, regardless of what the final number is for the rest of the NFL. But Adam Schefter on Sunday reporting that the cap, while it won't be set until next month, league sources currently believe it will be $180, $181 million. Many expected that number to be closer to or at the floor previously set of $175 million, expected now to come in just a little bit higher. And this is a tweet from Jack Duffin, just to give a people an idea on the differences, James. Pre-COVID, front offices would have been working on the salary cap being probably $210 million in 2021. So everyone that was doing planning last year, maybe last year around this time, for this year, around this time, we're expecting to have probably 30 more million dollars of cap space to work with. And you can see that when you look around the league at some of these teams, like the Steelers and the Packers, who both are about 30 million dollars over the cap right now in 2021. And that's going to have a ripple effect just across the landscape, right? I mean, uh, point to a, a free agent. The, right, that that you think that the Bengals one should be interested in, or should potentially retain, or maybe they should let walk. Right, AJ Green impacted by this. Geno Atkins, his future potentially impacted by this. Because if I'm Geno Atkins, I might be more willing to restructure my deal in Cincinnati versus go on the open market where I'm probably only getting a one year deal anyway. Because there aren't many teams that are going to have cap space to give you more than that. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of veteran players get released. And take one-year deals in hopes that they can uh, double back next year, the cap can come back, and that they can sign their long-term deals then. So, you know, the Taylor Motons of the world, um, those guys could be impacted as well because they might not have as many teams willing to offer them $15 million per season. Joe Tooney, right? Same thing. Brandon Scherf. So it's uh, it definitely has a ripple effect. And the Bengals, I think right now they have the sixth most most cap space, right? It's uh, it's a good spot to be in. And I, I almost think that, Jake, that it's good that it'll be around 181 versus if it moved to 191, sure, the Bengals would have more cap space to work with in that scenario, but so would the rest of the league. They might be one of these teams that can kind of take advantage 
of, of having cap space because they're one of the, the few teams that are under that mark. Yeah, and if you look at the teams with the most cap space in the NFL, this is all updated, I believe, on OverTheCap.com right now. They've got it updated for a base salary cap of $180 million, $180.5 million, sorry. The Bengals are indeed six, as you mentioned. The Jaguars have the most cap space in the NFL, $77 million of cap space. The Colts, $69 million of cap space, and that's one that, that gets me, man. The Colts have a ton of cap room to play with. And if they can get a quarterback, maybe the Colts can actually take control in that AFC South for maybe just a little bit before Trevor Lawrence gets going with Jacksonville. But that's really interesting to watch. The Jets, $68 million of space. The Patriots, $63 million of space. Maybe taking a rebuild year last year, ready to get back after this year again if they can figure out a way to get a quarterback. I don't think they're in on Carson Wentz, but maybe it's Deshaun Watson. The Washington football team, about 39 and a half. And the Bengals, 37. And this is before any of these teams make cap cuts. What's interesting when you look at these top six teams, which are the only teams in the NFL with effective cap space of more than $30 million, the Bengals have the fewest players under contract for 2021, James. Only 50 players under contract for 2021 compared to 66 in Washington, 62 in New England, 64 in Indy, 62 in Jacksonville, and 57 in New York. So that is interesting. The Bengals have more spots to fill than some of these teams with more money to spend. I think most of that ends up being guys that are on rookie deals or kind of veteran minimum or or low dollar deals. But it's interesting when you think about those top end guys you talked about, how well it affect the the Taylor Motons and the Joe Toonies and and the the Scherfs, the William Jacksons, right? The, The Carl Lawsons, if those guys get to free agency. I think you'll see that the top end players still get paid because there's enough teams. And we just talked about six of them. The Dolphins are up there too. The Chargers are up there too. There's enough teams with enough money. The Browns can even make a bunch of cap space if they choose to move on from Odell. There's enough teams that will have enough money to pay the top end guys. But I think who's really going to be hurt is like the second and third wave guys. The guys that are out there looking for like the $4 million deals, the $5 million deals. I don't know if there's going to be enough money for those kind of guys. And I wonder if it'll be kind of like baseball. I don't think it will because there's a salary cap and NFL teams just like seems like first to the punch. But you know how in baseball the last few years you've seen teams are waiting as long as they can to sign free agents to the point where you have really good players not being signed all the way into spring training. I wonder if we'll see anything like that happen more frequently in the NFL. Yeah, that would be uncomfortable, wouldn't it? If we're in July and you have some of these free agents just lingering. I I don't think so because football is very, you you know, in in baseball, you can plug and play, uh, you know, Bryce Harper. And and he's good to go. But but football is about getting to know your teammates. And it's it's such a, a team oriented game that you would assume these guys are going to want to get something done. But again, this is a way the Bengals, they can use this to their advantage. And maybe uh, we talk about all their weaknesses, maybe shore up a weakness or two with some of those mid tier veterans that were hoping to get more. And maybe they just want to come block for Joe Burrow or catch passes from Joe Burrow or uh, potentially star on a defense that desperately needs 
uh, another playmaker, another edge rusher, right? So that's uh, it's going to to be interesting to see how the Bengals play it because I think the good front offices that have cap space, right? I'm not betting against Bill Belichick this offseason to to put the right uh, pieces together uh, to to make a run next year because you know he's angry, right? But it, not just that because he has money to work with. And the the more creative you get, I think, this offseason, the more you could benefit from a, a roster standpoint. Speaking of rosters, should the Bengals add Kyle Pitts to the roster with the fifth overall pick? We'll discuss Dan Hort, Dave Lapham, and Jeff Hobson's comments on the Bengals Booth podcast that they made recently next. We talk about it all the time here on Locked On Bengals. Built Bar is the number one protein bar. It's our favorite protein bar. You need some Built Bar in your life. They come in 18 amazing flavors, whether it's the caramel brownie, the carrot cake, the lemon almond cheesecake, maybe a throwback like the coconut almond or my personal favorite, the mint brownie. Built Bars have something for everyone. And the best part, they're covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and they're macro-friendly. You're trying to get that 2021 summer bod. I'm right there with you. High, high, high in protein, low in sugar, low in fat. Grab a Built Bar. Check them out right now. BuiltBar.com. Make sure you use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic ball cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm personal price plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Jake and I will give our thoughts on the Super Bowl on Tuesday's episode because we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. But the Locked On Podcast Network has your Super Bowl recap covered from every angle after today's show. Make sure you check out Locked On Today for the biggest storylines, Peacock and Williamson for the X's and O's, and check out Locked On Chiefs and Bucks for in-depth local expertise. Jake, let's dive into uh, more draft conversation, draft speculation. And the other day I was listening to the Bengals booth podcast with uh, Dan Horde, Dave Lapham and, and Jeff Hobson was a guest on there and they were doing their mailbag of their own. And one listener asked about the, the potential pick of Kyle Pitts going to the Bengals at fifth overall. And they sounded Sort of like us, I would say, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, when people would ask about, you know, a tight end with the fifth pick. Lapham said, you know, taking a tight end at the fifth spot just sounds a little bit rich. Hobson just threw a bombshell, said, I don't think they would take him even if they traded back. And then Horde didn't see it either. Uh, th- thinks he might go more in the, the 12 to 15 range. If the Bengals were to move back there, maybe he would be an option. Your thoughts on this, because I, I think that this isn't just something that they feel. 
I think there are a lot of listeners and fans out there that are on this train of, yeah, it's the the fifth overall pick. There's no way I'm using it on a tight end. And yet I think you and I have kind of changed our way of thinking over the past month or two and are open to the idea of Kyle Pitts being the pick fifth overall. Here, here's why I'm open to it, James, is because he can beat he was beating the best college corners in man coverage. And so he, he has the ability, if you don't believe that he can, you know, win consistently as a tight end, he's got special ball skills and he's got good enough route running skills that he can beat man coverage. And, and that's the big argument in his favor. You go back to the last draft class that had great tight ends. This is only a couple of years, 2019. Those Iowa kids, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, both elite, pure, great tight end prospects. TJ Hawkinson goes eighth to the Lions. Noah Fant goes 20th to the Denver Broncos. And actually, Noah Fant has a very comparable analytic profile, James, to Kyle Pitts. Noah Fant was this freak athlete, receiver type, had very similar college dominator score, which is how much of his offense he was accountable for. Very similar college yards per reception. Very similar breakout age. Both guys were very young. In fact, coming out, Noah Fant's best comparable, according to playerprofiler.com, was George Kittle. I mean, Noah Fant tested like a freak across the board. 98th percentile athlete, right? Across the board with good production. Coming from a school that has produced good tight ends, young guy, perfect build, you know, 6'4", 250, and he went 20th, and, and he was an absolute freak, a lot, a lot of similarities to Kyle Pitts. The difference, I think, is, is refinement in these players. I do think Kyle Pitts a little bit more refined, but Hawkinson is a guy who looked NFL-ready. For tight end. And and I remember Joe and I were talking about this going into the 2019 draft. Are they going to consider one of these tight ends? We were we were on Hawkinson. He obviously didn't make it to the Bengals pick and they end up with Jonah Williams, which you're you're totally okay with. But we we were considering him at the time. We thought he was a great prospect. He's coming to the NFL and he's been a little bit slow to acclimate. So I kind of am with Dan, I think. I, I wouldn't be mad if they picked Pitts at five because I think he can do things that can make him successful right away in the NFL the way that a rare tight end prospect could. But tight ends just take time. Even Kittle, even, even Kelsey, they take time. And so that's why it's seen as a luxury pick for a lot of people a lot of the time. Because you don't necessarily expect that year one game-changing impact. And I do think that for all of Pitt's greatness, it, it might not be in year one. And that's what scares me about the fifth pick, right? That's what scares me about using even a top 10 pick. If they trade back within the top 10, is that making the year one impact that we're looking for to, to protect and improve around Joe Burrow? All right. So let me give you the case for it and not not really having to do with the profile or the production which we know about or anything like that so the fifth pick the the scenario that plays out where they 
they look and say, Pitts is just the best player here. Let's take him. It starts with the the top guys going, Penny Sewell and Jamar Chase being off the board. And then maybe Jalen Waddle's injury history worries them a bit, right? And, and not that it's super in-depth, but the the fact that he was playing on that ankle and had to have surgery and it's just, you know, maybe something doesn't check out medically there. And Devontae Smith weighs a buck 70. And so they look at it and they're like, okay, we have this 6'6", 245-pound tight end in Kyle Pitts who averaged 18 yards a catch. He, we, we know how much Joe Burrow loves throwing to the tight end. This guy can line up outside right away and beat man coverage. He can line up in the slot. He, he's an ultimate chess piece. He's athletic. Uh, he's going to give uh, Zach Taylor another option to move around in this offense and really get creative. Then I think there's a path to it. Um, that's obviously assuming they address offensive line and free agency. I think it goes without saying in general, if they're going to take really any of these skill players at five, that they, they have to do something to the offensive line before they do that. So I, I think it is possible. I do at the same time, the, the positional value argument, I get it. I understand it. Uh, I, you know, the, the Bengals look back and they're like, well, hell, Jermaine Gresham never really lived up to expectations after they took him in the first round. Tyler Eifert would have probably, but he was so damn injured. And that's something that happens to tight ends that it's tough. It's tough to, to vouch for there. And and then the, the other thing here, um, I guess for it and why I think the Bengals will at least consider Pitts. They really considered OJ Howard in 2017 with the ninth pick. That was Marvin Lewis's guy. I know that for a fact. He he was all in on O.J. Howard, and we know he didn't want John Ross and all that stuff. Howard didn't have that production, and, and he was more of an inline guy that, that blocked at Bama, and he showed explosiveness, but he didn't have the college production that Pitts had at Florida. And, and I know they're two different players because, again, Howard was more of the get on the line and, and be the, the classic tight end, and Pitts is more of a receiver. But if they were considering a guy like Howard at nine, and they didn't take him, but they were considering him, I would think that they would at least be open to pits, especially if that scenario plays out, which is realistic, I think, where maybe they don't love the Bama receivers for one reason or another. Chase isn't there. Sewell isn't there. I think there's a scenario where Pitts is the top guy on their board at five, even if it isn't a likely one. I just think that if they end up in that position where you have two position players, and that could definitely happen, right? If the quarterback, if there's only couple quarterbacks pick before they pick. I Look at how teams are falling over themselves to try to trade for Matt Stafford and Carson Wentz. And if Deshaun sure. Watson, you know, is available to, to be to be acquired, you, you could. I think that's a trade back scenario. And I'm much more comfortable with Pitts if they do trade back and, and add a pick, because that means that hopefully they're getting an er, another early second round pick where they can, you know, get one of these offensive lineman or, or, you know, add an edge rusher into the mix as well. You, you could just, you get another player with one of those top 40, 50 picks. You feel a lot better about using one of them on a position where how impactful is tight end? We, we saw Rob Gronkowski be great and game changing. You, you see it with, with Travis Kelsey this year, but the cop that always gets thrown out for Kyle Pitts is Darren Waller. Darren Waller, mm-hmm. fantastic receiver, 
kind of whatever is a blocker. And I think that's fair to, to project, at least initially, as a best-case scenario for Kyle Pitts. Just not, not even 20, not even 21, sorry, by the time the draft is going to come around. Pitts is a very young prospect, but is, is Darren Waller the, the missing piece for this offense? Right? Or, or would you rather, if, if you're picking nine, say they move back to eight or nine, right, hypothetically, Rashawn Slater, Christian Derrissaw, Kyle Pitts are, are your choices. Mm-hmm. Depending on the free agency acquisitions, obviously, the positional value is just so much stronger with those offensive linemen. I don't know. It's just it's, it's hard to get me away from the offensive line if the value is there. There is a world where I can see Pitts being the pick, but I still have that reservation. Despite how great he is as a prospect and, and my openness to it, because I do think that he could be used in a really game-changing way, maybe it's not initially, maybe it is in three years, is how much can they afford to, to use that pick on a tight end and not, and not another position? And, and you don't expect, as John Sheeran points out, you don't expect to be picking in the top 10 every year. If you're picking in the top 10, they've done it a couple years in a row here now, you expect that that opportunity isn't going to come again for a while with Joe Burrow. And and if this is your last blue chip prospect, maybe that's, maybe that's a reason to take Pitts as a developmental guy who, who could be that league league leader at tight end. Or maybe that just means you, you need to get the offensive lineman in place for year one. And that's the challenge is, is really just the, the transitional time and the positional value of tight end. It's fair. It's fair. And it's, it's, Really, until we see what they do in free agency, yeah, impossible. Like, like, like because if if they sign Taylor Moten, I'm not reaching on Slater, and if if and I'm saying reach, maybe it isn't a reach on their board, but I would be shocked if Kyle Pitts isn't higher on their board than either of those guys, Darisar Slater. I just I would be. Now you take into positional value. We don't know about the medicals. There are things that we don't know, but. Darren Waller would be the best offensive player on this team. <laughs> he's like, I, I, maybe people didn't watch him last year. He's better than T Higgins. I love Tyler Boyd. He's better than Tyler Boyd or Joe Mixon. And so, yeah, if he can be that, I want that. I want some of that in Joe Burrow's life. And so that's, that's the dilemma. That's the debate. But it, here's the other thing that when, when it comes to pits, maybe they add a weapon in free agency. It, we we talk about the linemen. Maybe they they wait to draft the linemen and and add a a weapon in free agency, and they go that route instead. And so maybe the the need for a weapon isn't as great. But to me, the the perfect scenario for Pitts would be if you trade down to eight, and and you're able to add a second round pick from Carolina. I think they have the forty first selection, and and then you you do that, and then you're still able to get an elite guy for Burrow. You've already addressed the offensive line. And then in round two, with the 38th pick and the 41st pick, you, you can go edge. You can go tackle, right? You, you can go guard, potentially, depending on who's there. And, and so I, I agree with you, though, um, that a, a certain specific scenario has to play out for Pitts to be the guy. But I'm not going to dismiss it yet. I'm not willing to. And I know you're not, but I, I know there are, are certain people out there that definitely are and fans that are. But I, I still think he's in play, at least today, as we record on Super Bowl Sunday. Darren Waller, James, 
just for the record, six-round pick in 2015 by the Baltimore Ravens. Did mm-hmm. not play a single regular season offensive snap in 2017 before he finally broke out in 2019. And that's the scary thing he, about tight ends. Yeah, and he was a receiver, right? That like that that switched positions and there, there was a bunch of issues and yeah, I I totally get it. I I totally get that part of it. I I just think a guy like Pitts if you put him with Burrow cuz the situation matters, right? Uh, I I think he translates right away. Like Noah Fant, he he's probably blaming Joe Flacco and Drew Locke and the quarterback catastrophe that is the Denver Broncos for for part of his lack of success. Um, and maybe he's been injured too. I can't remember. But, but you, you know, I, I think that a guy like Pitts could have instant success with Burrow. But so could a lot of guys, right? It's just that baking time for tight ends. You don't know how long it's going to take for that bread to rise. You know what I'm saying? That's a that's a baking reference for the baking listeners to this show. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We'll be back after the Super Bowl with our Super Bowl thoughts and takeaways and a mock draft roundup and maybe a little bit more mock draft talk. The offseason starts in full after the Super Bowl, and we're excited for it. Hope you are too. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.